And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100% And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John McCarthy. All right, here we go. Once again, the Weighing In Podcast is coming to you directly from wherever you're at because that's what we do. We come your way. We have another show to talk about the upcoming heavyweight championship fight that is coming our way this Saturday. We also have a lot of news on people that are now coming out of retirement to fight guys that they had fought before. All kinds of big news. We do want to say, Josh, happy birthday to Jen Brown. It was just her birthday. She is our broadcast partner, and she's wonderful, so we want to say happy birthday. But other than that, to everyone out there, you are lucky enough to be listening to the Weighing In Podcast with Josh Thompson and me, John McCarthy, and on the controls, we've got the ever-present podcast day. What's up? Happy birthday, Jen Brown. We miss you. Can't wait to see you next week. We have a huge show next week for Bellator. I'm pumped. I'm amped. But let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Let's talk about this weekend's UFC, the heavyweight matchup, Stipe and Nganu. Let's dive right into this. I cannot wait. But first, but first, you brought up heavyweights and champions. And, and I know maybe they're not champions this year, but they were champions last year. And so I had to, you know, do the repeat. You have a repeat? What are you repeat? Dude, they are champions for nothing. You t- they got whooped. Tom Brady just tore them up. What are you wearing that shirt for? You support old people. <laughs> <laughs> You're biased. You're biased. Let's go, my Chiefs, baby. Uh... Hey, it's been a long time coming. I haven't been able to cheer for them. I mean, since last year. But before that, it's been, it's been a long, long time. You know. Oh. Get a little concerned. We got rid of a lot of our guys from our offensive line, but uh, we picked up a couple good ones. Uh, we'll see if they end up working out better. But you got to protect that five hundred and fifty million dollar quarterback. <laughs> okay, that you just you listen to that, and it's just ridiculous. I'm not saying that Patrick Mahomes is not great. There's nobody worth. That. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. The thing is, is, people keep asking me, "How does Tom Brady do it?" Let me explain to you how Tom Brady does it. He takes less so he can have better people in front of him protecting him. Done it his whole career. 44 years he's never been the highest paid quarterback on his team ever and people are like, oh how does he keep doing it well that's how he does it that's how he gets talent around him so it's funny all the money that i think belichick saved and draft picks he saved during the tom brady era of winning championships it's crazy that now he's like unloading all of them in this last couple free market agencies and doing all this to bring in all this talent around cam i don't think it's me enough cam's not a good quarterback uh, he's not not anymore he lost it. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, they got to keep Mahomes safe, man. They got and so they got to make some some uh some good big moves this year. Have you ever been around Cam Newton? Uh no, I have not. He is freaking huge. The only guy I've ever seen at quarterback that was bigger was Dante Culpepper. And I've been around both of them. And I'm telling you, Cam Newton is a big dude. We're talking six foot six, 260 pounds about, but he's the he's the the living proof of you can come into the NFL and be really fast and really good and be able to run the ball. But when you, you can do that in college, you come into the NFL, everybody's big, everybody's fast, everybody hits hard and you can only take so many shots before it starts to just damage you to the point. You're not the same guy. Yeah. Tough one. I've met John Elway and Joe Montana. They're enormous, way bigger than I thought they would ever be. (laughs) John Elway's big. 
I was like, you're a quarterback. I was like, you're the guy I see on TV that looks like a dwarf to all the other people that are out there. It's like, he looks super small to everybody else. Oh man. I'm telling you, I, I did a whole thing with Dante Culpepper and we did a softball game and everything. And he was the coach for our team and he's just a really good guy, but man, he was, you know, 310 pounds. So he was bigger than me. I was like, God damn, you were a quarterback. That's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy to think how big these guys are. Like, it's, yeah, I, I remember sitting, I've I <clears throat> been, like, uh, what's it called, on the sidelines a couple times for the for some of the games. I'm thinking to myself, how does that little guy who's, like, the punt returner, <laughs> I was like, how does, <laughs> how does he even feel safe amongst these guys? I mean, you can't see over any of them. Well, like, he doesn't, he doesn't know, feel safe, but he just wants to, he, his whole thing is don't let them touch me. Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, let's let's jump right into this. There's some big fights this weekend. I mean, obviously, there's a couple that we'd love to see the most. Uh, but Stipe and Francis Ngannou is going to be fireworks. But I, I think you and I feel this little bit of a feeling that it might be the same type of fight that happened last time. Look, I get a lot of I get a lot of flack, John, because I don't give you you. <laughs> I get a lot of flack because I don't give Stipe his due. But I'm going to be honest. If this fight goes, because we're going to talk about some betting as well uh, with my bookie, but if this fight goes over the one and a half mark, I think it's going to be all Stipe like it was in the first fight. But can Stipe get past that first round and a half? I would even maybe say two rounds. But can he do it? That's the question. That's the number one. But I think the remedy is still the same, John. It's going to be fighting a phone booth, get into the clinch into the wrestling, and just exhaust Francis to the point where he cannot explode and use those explosive punches and that power. Uh, you're exactly right. It's a matter of you cannot stay in that punching range, that boxing range that he's so deadly with. And if you're if you're looking at what Stipe does, and this is where I look, and Stipe has become a better fighter based upon his three straight fights with Dan Cormier. He learned something about being in the clinch and what he has to do in that first fight, and then you watched what he did in the second fight, and this is what makes Stipe good. People think that you got to go out there and try to win the fight real fast or things like that. Stipe is the guy that knows, hey, I've got 25 minutes to perform here, and I may have to take some damage to get into those later rounds so I can now do my thing and I can put my damage on you. He is the guy, you know, when you look at that second fight against Cormier, he was getting beat up in the first round. You know, he got taken down. Cormier was on top and beat him up a little bit. Second round, kind of beat him up again. Third round, a little bit closer than the fourth round. He started learning about, oh, look at this body shot. And that's what makes him so good. He does have an incredibly high fight IQ. He can change things up in the middle of the fight. That's the difference. I'm not sure Francis can change things up. He's got plan A. Plan A is I'm going to knock you out. His Plan A.1 is I'm not going to let you take me down. And I do know that Francis has been working very hard on his wrestling game, his defensive wrestling to keep Stipe from being able to take him down easily. And if he's going to get taken down, he's working on his ways of getting up. He does have Kamaro Usman, who's been in the gym with him, helping him with things. He's got, you know, Eric Nipsick and a lot of guys that have been working very diligently. Tim Johnson, all on his wrestling to stop what, you know, Stipe does when, you know, you go back to the first fight because Stipe, you know, and a lot of guys, he doesn't use his wrestling, but it only makes sense that he's going to use wrestling against Francis. But if he gets this fight 
out of the second round, it's going to be all uphill for, you know, Francis and trying to win this fight and all downhill for Stipe. That's what he's got to get to that second round element. And that's if you're looking at the betting odds. Yeah. One and a half is your over. That's saying that everyone is expecting. And if you look at the odds, you know, we, we might as well do, you know what, weighing in on the odds when you look at this. Stipe is the champion. We knew that he was the underdog, and he's even falling as the underdog, which means people are putting their money on Francis Ngannou. They believe that he is going to knock out Stipe and become the new UFC heavyweight champion, and I'm just not too sure that that's going to happen. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons why um, before that I I had DC winning the fights, and DC, a lot of it is because I'm a homer, but <laughs> they did it. But the, the next reason is I thought DC was going to be able to out wrestle and make him work so much to the point where heavyweights doesn't matter which heavyweight you are. They're not very good off their back, you know, and so unless you're uh Verdum, you know, I mean, Verdum has he's very good off of his back and he's very dangerous on top as well. But I'm simply saying not a lot of heavyweights very are few on their back. And so if you if I thought I would thought DC would continue to wrestle him and put him down on his back and then Steve would just start to slow and then. You saw a little bit of that in the first fight, or in the, in the second fight, I mean. But DC had some uh, some speed advantage on him as well. But the thing is, with Stipe, I don't give him the credit because a lot of times he was fighting, you know, DC. The other thing as well is that he's extremely smart. He's got big power. He's got power backing up. He just doesn't do anything spectacular. Okay, he's a good wrestler. He's a very good wrestler. He took down Daniel a couple times, you know, and was able to put the weight on him, put some pressure on him. He's good all the way around. I just thought that, that not just DC, but other guys that had fought him before in the past too, that would be up that were basically like good in one area was going to be able to beat him in that one area. Because like I said, when you're fighting someone like Stipe, who is not spectacular in any area, but he's good all the way around. That's it. To fight anywhere he needs to. He is a true mixed martial artist. He's got decent kicks, got big power in his boxing. He knows how to rip the body, as we saw with DC. Like, he's he's good all the way around. He can get the takedown. His wrestling's pretty damn good. And so as much as people want to say I didn't give him credit, I'm giving him all the credit in the world now, okay, because he's not fighting DC. That's the other reason. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. You guys know. Hey. So long enough, I'm a freaking homer, man. And I'm going to be honest with you guys, but I'm going to tell you exactly how it is. I felt this way when it was when he was fighting DC. But when he fights in Ganu, it really just comes down to, I think, like you said, the round and a half, which my bookie has up. You know, he's, uh, what is, who is it? Stipe is favored in, in, over a round and a half. So if that's the case, like he's got to go over one round, a round and a half. I think you're going to get, I think you're going to better Francis for two, uh, for two rounds. I think after the two rounds, the wrestling, I don't think, I, I think just so much wrestling. And he, one thing that Francis falls into, which some of the lighter guys will fall into, is when they're fast and explosive, like Francis is, they tend to wilt. Like big guys, though, like they will, they, they will because they're fast and explosive, but even the little guys do it. He has that. He's a big, big guy. Big and fast and explosive doesn't usually go together. And he's got that. He's and so he's a he's a, a true athlete, but it's just a matter of he needs to still kind of keep his elbows in tight. He needs to make sure he's not reaching and lunging. And people are like, oh, he's got so much power. But look at the shots that he landed. He landed them because he had more, he, he was faster. France faster than uh Overeem, where he decapitated him. Uh, what's his name? Uh Rosenstruck. Same thing with him. 
it wasn't technically sound. He was lunging in, throwing punches kind of from a little bit weird angles and was able to connect. And he got he basically got them backing up and was able to land clean, hard shots. And his power didn't matter if it was clean or hard, still was enough to drop them and take their head off. With Stipe, all he's got to do is stay inside those winging punches and dirty, like rain tour style him, just dirty box him, grind him out, get the takedowns, let him back up, not let him up, but make him work to get up and then take him back down. If he does that for the first round and a half, I don't I don't see how he loses. That's exactly, but he's got to get through that first round and a half. That's the scary part. If you're a steep a fan, if you're someone that wants him to win, you're looking at that first round and a half, two rounds. And you're going, please, God, don't let him get hit by that big shot because I don't care how good a fighter you are. If you get hit by the power of someone like uh, a Francis and you're going to get hurt and you're going to go out. And so he needs to be sure as he's throwing, keep his head off the center line. Don't leave his head in that area where, you know, on a counter or even an, a, a simultaneous shot that Francis is able to land a shot. Because if he goes shot for shot, he's going to lose. You yeah. can't go shot for shot with him. You got to be smart. And it's exactly what you're saying. He's the complete mixed martial artist. If you're taking a look at the two, now I did a fight with Francis where he got a submission win. It was against Anthony Hamilton. He got a Kimura, but that's just not his area of expertise he's not that dangerous and he's not dangerous enough for stipe down on the ground as far as submission so if you're gonna look at the guy that has the more complete game it's stipe if you're gonna look at the guy who has got that one element that you know explosive dynamite power it's obviously francis but as far as fight iq as far as complete game stipe is the guy that you're looking at you know, he's uh, super smart, is able to change, and all those elements when you're talking about a title fight and a big, you know, pressure cooker situation, those are sometimes the things that make the difference. You know, obviously either guy can win this, but I'm kind of leaning towards, you know, the champ. I think that, you know, he's smart enough to know I got to stay away from the power in the beginning, and he's smart enough to utilize the full, you know, realm of tools that MMA allows him to do to get a win against a guy as athletic and explosive as Francis. Well, the other thing, though, is that they're fighting at the Apex Center. The cage is smaller. So that makes it a little bit easier for Steve A to close the distance, keep him pressed, keep him, you know, against the fence. He doesn't have to, he doesn't have to worry about uh, Francis. Like, he can keep, he can just pressure him the whole time and keep him inside that, those winging punches. Here's the other thing. People need to understand that, or people need to go back and look at Steve A when they fought the first time. And look at Stipe's body now. Yeah. Will Stipe be a lighter version? Will the strength be a factor? Because Stipe has leaned out a lot. You can see it in his face. You see it in his physique for his second and third fight for, for DC. He looked phenomenal in the third fight with DC. He just physically looks phenomenal. Um, will he, will that light, will be coming in too light? Will that be an issue? That it could be. You know, that's my, it was my one concern because he was getting lighter and lighter and he's at a good weight, but. I look and say, man, weighing in somewhere in that 238 to 245 pound, he does that. I know he's in shape, and I know that he's got enough weight that, you know, Francis is going to push things around a little bit. He's just a huge dude. This is a guy that's cutting down to 265. Francis, when you stand next to him, you go, God damn, that's a big man. And Stipe's big, but he's not that big. You know, he's a little bit taller, a little bit leaner. 
you know, as far as, you know, like a Cain Velasquez, but he's in that 238, 245. That's what I, that's what I want to see. Is the word lean and Cain Velasquez in the same sentence? (laughs) Well, I, I want to say Stipe's got about five inches on Cain. So I'm like, the Cain's my boy and I am a homer when it comes to him, but no, that is not the word. Oh man, no, but you, we're we're looking at some pictures here off of his Instagram. He does; he looks really lean. He even like his jawline, everything looks a lot leaner. So whatever he's doing, I know he's probably in phenomenal shape. That's the other thing he's going to have to be in. He's going to have to be in some of the best shape he's ever been in because he's got to make sure he can push that pace on the wrestling and the takedown and the clinch and get in there and fight off the the strength of Francis Ngannou. So yep. if he does that, I think he's got a great chance. I think he goes longer than one and a half, which I think he wins then. So you guys heard it here first. Josh Thompson taking Stipe's side. Ah, look at that. I think it's one of the things, you know, we, we talk about it sometimes is Stipe has been working his wrestling because of DC. He's been working that over time. Where Francis, he's been fighting guys that he doesn't really have to worry, you know, fighting against Jorginho and all these other guys that are stand-up guys. He's just working on his stand-up. Now he's working on his wrestling game, but is it enough? to get it to where it needs to be to stop what Stipe does. It's it's a great question, and it's going to be a great fight. I can't wait to see it. Well, I think you can train somebody to stop the first takedown, maybe even the second. So Stipe is going to have to chain them together. But not even so much that is have they trained him enough to not only wrestle and stop and defend takedowns to the point where he doesn't leave himself in a bad position when he gets taken down, though. So there's times where guys will fight the takedown so much. And sure, they get away sometimes, and sometimes they fight it so much they end up in side control or mount, you know, because they don't they fought it so hard that they end up in a shitty position and giving up a good uh, giving up a good position to go to a shitty position trying to defend it. So if that person ends up on top, CB ends up on top in a shitty position. Does he know how to get up from side control? Does he know how to escape mount? Does he know how to do it without giving his back? These are all things and questions that need to be answered because. We don't see him on the ground very often because people can't take him down or they just they keep matching him up against people who don't. That heavyweight division now, even though it's fun and interesting because you got all these guys, but they're all stand-up guys. I think that's what made DC so um, so dominant for a while. And the same thing with Stipe. Stipe can wrestle if he needs, and he's got power. He's got great boxing. So I think a lot of questions need to be answered by on Angano's side. I don't think any questions need to be answered on Stipe. He's been the champion for the longest champion that they've ever had. And uh, it's well-deserved. So I think he just needs to come in and dominate and do what he does. And I think he's going to have success. You guys, we, first, Josh, there you go. Oh, look at you. The Homer has changed. Oh man. <laughs> All right. So T wood, you got T wood and Vicente Luque. Uh, yeah. Uh, come on. Give it to me, goose. <laughs> well, you know, if you just take a look at the odds on what, you know, T wood is at, he's a big underdog in this. He's a big underdog to Vicente Luque, and there's reasons for that. He's got three losses in a row. Now, the people that he has fought, you gotta you gotta look and say, well, he's been fighting top of the tier guys. He's been, you know, he lost to Kamara Usman, lost his title. He lost to Gilbert Burns, and he lost to Colby Covington. Well, those are all top, you know, the top three guys in the welterweight division in the UFC, basically. So it's understandable. This is the guy, though. In Vicente Luque, I look at T Wood and I say, you got to bring back some of the old T Wood. You got to you got to threaten with those takedowns. You got to put him on his back at times. You know, don't don't try to just shoot the open shot, but off of your offense with your hands and going after him. When his hands come up, change levels, drop down, and get into those legs and make him have to work in defending the takedown. Or if you can get it, 
than do damage on the ground. That's what T. Wood needs to do to win this fight. Now, the question is, is he going to do it? Has he changed over so much that he believes he's just the stand-up guy? Because if he gets into a stand-up battle with Vicente Luque, I believe that T. Wood has the power advantage, but he definitely does not have the technique advantage. He doesn't have what Vicente Luque brings to that stand-up game. And I think in the end, if he gets into a stand-up battle, he's going to lose that fight. Yeah, it really comes down to that T-Wood needs to wrestle. But the problem is he needs to make sure that he wrestles at a comfortable level. He can't wrestle so much, put so much pressure on himself to get the takedown that when he doesn't get it, he's like a, a wounded duck out there just floating around ready to be shot. You know what I mean? Like, and that's kind of one of those situations where guys put so much pressure on themselves when, I, when you fight stand-up guys that are really good. Like, I'll give you an example. I fought Dwayne Ludwig. And I was like, take down, take down, take down. <laughs> so that makes you smart, smart, smart. Yeah. And I had such a dominant first round. The second round, I come out, I was like, oh, let's stand a little bit. And then he, glint, he like hit one right off the top of my head. He threw a head kick and it grazed right off the top of my head. I was like, okay, right back to the takedowns. You know what I mean? But had I not been able to get the takedown on him, but I put a lot of pressure on myself to hold him down as well. And I noticed that I was getting a little bit tired. I'm like, well, I know I'm in phenomenal shape, but I just knew I was getting a little bit tired. The same thing can happen for T. Wood. So he just needs to make sure that he's mixing up. Like you said, he's got to mix up the MMA with his wrestling. He's got to mix up that stand-up and make it an MMA fight. If he doesn't do that, it's going to be a long night for him. He's got to fight him in a phone booth, make sure there's nothing that he can get through, and he needs to throw hard combinations and then go right into his takedown. Do not shoot raw dog. What I mean by that is he needs to set everything up. He needs to make Vicente Luque think that he's going to stand with him and then change levels. As soon as he changes levels, if it's not working for him, don't force it. Come back up, throw some more punches, go back, change levels again. He's got to create angles as well. He's got to do a lot of different things in this fight because if the, if the game plan has been broken down, it was broken down a long time ago on how to beat him, was Nate Marquardt. Nate Marquardt pressed him to the fence, put pressure on him, and they just he dirty boxed him, elbows, knees, all of those things to make him tired and fatigued. And all the last, the last three guys that have beaten him, that's exactly what they did. They took a page out of each other's books and they said, hey, I'm going to do what he did. I'm going to do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But it all came from Nate Marquardt from years ago when he was in strike force. Yep. Pressed him to the fence, touched him up on the feet, pressed him to the fence, dirty grind him, hung on him, made him feel the weight, all of those things. And Kamar Usman did that. Um, Gilbert Burns did that. Gilbert Burns lit him up a little bit with the hands as well, but still pressed him in the fence. And Colby Covington did that. He he they try to bring the dog out of him, and he wasn't having it at the time. I'm hoping we see a new T Wood because he's my boy, man. I want to see, I want to see a lot of positive things come out of him. He's 38 years old, which scares me is because it's hard at 38 years old, John, to, to wrestle as much as he's gonna need to wrestle for this fight. It is, especially when it's something that you haven't really been doing. For the latter part of your career, you really changed your style. You became that guy that had big power in that right hand. You set guys up, having them worry about your wrestling, but you really didn't use it that much. He needs to use it in this fight, Josh. If he doesn't, if he doesn't wrestle in this fight, I don't see him winning. So I agree, but he needs to make sure he doesn't put too much pressure on himself to always have to get the takedown because he's got good stand-up and he's got heavy power. He doesn't need to force himself to do it. That added pressure makes you more tired. And that could change the dynamic of the fight. If we look at the, the betting odds on my bookie, you pull up the betting odds and you see this fight's going to go the distance. I think it's going to go the distance. I don't see Vicente put, uh, putting him away. 
and I could see it going past two and a half. So if you're going to bet, I would bet the over probably on the two and a half, but T Woods also favored to go on the two and a half over. So, I mean, I would, it's not, I don't know, like we had talked about a little bit the other day, uh, yesterday, by the way, um, <laughs> we had talked about is I wouldn't take this bet only because I don't like to bet on my friends. And then two is it, it just, there's the odds don't make sense for me to bet on it. Well, it's the odds are actually you know pretty understandable. And yeah, the, the, the part that really you look at T wood is a plus 200. Mm-hmm. Now, that's based upon three losses in a row. But this is the fight that's going to say exactly where he's at within the UFC. You know, if he wins this fight, they're going to, I believe that they're, you know, going to look and see if they can give him another fight that's, you know, up there, you know, maybe a Michael Chiesa type, you know, fight, something like that. But if he doesn't win this fight, and it doesn't look good for them even holding on to, you know, Tyron. Yeah. You know? Chiesa is a bad matchup for him because yes, is the same type of fighter that Camaro is and Colby Covington is. He's the punch come forward, grind you, put pressure. I didn't say that. I said, that's who I think that they're going to end up putting him against. Yeah. I mean, don't be wrong. Tiwa could beat him by knocking him sure. out. Sure. But like I said, stylistically, the game plan has been laid on how people beat him and the way they beat him is by pressuring him, putting him against the fence, making him carry the weight. He's not a big guy. People think he's a big guy. He's not a big welterweight. He's just, he's shorter and stockier. He's just thick, man. He's got big legs, got big shoulder legs and huge legs. So, um, I guess for me, what other fights are you looking forward to? Oh, you got to look forward to the Sean O'Malley, Thomas Almeida. And it's because you want to see exactly what has Sean done to take care of the problem that has been, you know, it's put put out there multiple times now. It was Andre Southen, I'm going to say it wrong, Andre Southenham, who showed that inside leg kick. Oh, that, just Andre, buddy. Yeah, good. There you go. Andre, who hit that inside leg kick and just tore up that right leg to the point where, you know, Sean wasn't even able to get up to, be there for the announcement of the winner since it went to a decision and he had won the first two rounds and he badly got beat in the second round, but he wins the decision. Well, then Chito Vera watched that and he comes out and he goes after that same leg goes after that kick tears up Sean's leg gets the win. Well, you know, these blueprints are only, you know, there after someone shows it, you know, Emelianco did it to Crow cop in pride when crow cop was killing everyone he, he wrote the blueprint and then you watched fighter after fighter use that same blueprint and it's the same thing as we were talking about before the blueprint is there you saw it with tyron woodley when nate markhart you know showed it and then all of a sudden you see kamaru Usman using it and gilbert burns doing the same thing the blueprint you don't have to rewrite the blueprint you just have to look at it understand it and say okay this is how i implement it well the blueprint has been there has Sean O'Malley done the things that he needs to do to make that little bit of a blurp in that blueprint where it doesn't work the same now? Because Almeida is a straight, straight up linear stand-up fighter. He's got good kicks. He's got good hands. I think Sean O'Malley is the much more dynamic fighter. He definitely has the better ground game. I would suggest that Sean actually takes this to the ground and use that superior ground game. You know, fighting smart is always better than fighting to get exciting finishes you know as you say winning solves everything and your last fight you didn't get that win so you need it in this one and use the tools that you have acquired over time that has made you the fighter that you are you are the better all-around 
MMA fighter. You've got a superior ground game. Use it. We'll see if he does. Yeah, realistically, um, for me, it all comes down to, is he done reading his own paper clippings? His headlines, his... Ooh, man, you had to bring that one up. Look at you. I have to. I have to. <laughs> like, because, look, he's a young fighter. He's extremely talented. No one deny that. And I, I Absolutely. Enjoy, I love watching him fight. You yep. know the one thing we've always said is that his body style is tailor-made for this sport. I mean, you look at all those very successful guys that have uh, uh, been champions. I mean, you got John Jones, you got Anderson Silva. I mean, uh, who else? I mean, like Kamaru Usman's a tall, big guy too as well. I mean, he doesn't fight the style of which those guys do, but he's now starting to use his length and his reach with his push kick and his jab because he understands that he's a lot bigger than a lot of those guys in body frame. Corey Sanhagen, man, look at him at 135. Same weight class as O'Malley. Exactly. I mean, the these guys. What's the uh, what's the one twenty five uh, Figueredo, right? Yep. Yeah. So he, he's tall and long and lanky as well for that weight class. And so when you have these guys that are in there that have that tall, long, lanky body, it's perfect and tailor made. I just hope that he is done reading his paper clippings. Even when we had talked about this, when that whole podcast situation came up, where he was talking about heroin, he was talking about like and. They were talking about they were making fun of uh, Megan Anderson, Megan Anderson, um, you know, and, and we had we had made a video, a short clip of it. And I had posted it. And he actually commented on it saying, hey, you guys are right. I said, you got to stop reading the paper clippings, man, because you're saying stupid stuff, which means that you're believing that you can just say and do whatever you want instead of focusing on your training, you know, and uh, and he had commented saying, like, you know, you guys are right. And so I hope I hope that we see the best Sean O'Malley we've seen. I think they, there's no doubt he has all the talent and all the ability. And I loved, I would love to see him rise to be in the, one of the top guys. He has a little bit of that, um, that Nate and Nick feel to him, you know, that can, he can be a star in terms of that type oh. of thing. If, you know, if, if he just sticks his nose to the grind, you know, he can end up being a champion or if not, he'll be one of those guys that can just, just demand what he wants. Cause he's a pay-per-view buy. And so that's a big deal when you're, when you know, you, when you know, you should know you have that type of talent and that ability to be that person, just focus on that. Don't do all this other stupid shit. Okay. Just do that. And I, I tell you, man, you're going to be a success. So I hope LB does well. Uh, what are the betting odds on that? I, uh, he's the favorite, no doubt about uh, going into that. Cause you, you know, the big thing you're looking at it, what I was talking about is O'Malley kind of got into, he likes that knockout and, Hey, this is not the guy to go. Although Thomas Almeida, I don't think has been the same fighter since Cody Garbrandt knocked him out. That really it's changed him a little bit, but don't go after the knockout. Go after what is going to make you successful. You have a superior skill set in certain areas. Why make the fight hard? Why make it 50-50? That's crazy. Don't do that. Be smart. You know, hopefully Mr. O'Malley and all of his personality listens a little bit or has that same thought pattern with his coaches and fights smart look this is the thing though <clears throat> because the blueprint has been laid out on how to beat uh sean o'malley yeah. if thomas almeida's coaches had any brains at all they would <laughs> tell him to stick and move and tattoo that leg every time sean o'malley comes in It'll pay dividends by the by the middle of the second and into the third, and just lay it all into them. Like Almeida's not slouch on the ground either. He should be able to get up from the bottom if he slips and falls or his leg gets caught. 
I think he it's where he doesn't want to be is like inside the guard in that top in that in that top position where Sean's got bigger hands and better grip and stuff and the long legs can attack you know on all those positions. I think on to, I think if he is if he's able to slip and fall, I think Sean might even let him up. But I, my point is is that he he should <laughs> John in the face. <laughs> um, I mean sometimes you know like guys they'll, they'll let each other up sometimes. I think here with with Thomas Almeida if he fights him in a phone booth. If he makes it a dirty, grimy fight, he fights him in that boxing range, and if he's not inside the boxing range all the way, then he's all the way out just tattooing the leg. Inside leg kick, outside leg kick, inside, outside. If he does that for the duration of the fight, I think by the middle of the second round, if he starts off early by the middle of the second round, I don't think that Sean O'Malley will be the same fighter. But this, you know... If I'm taking that betting odds, though, John, then that, I'm, I'm going, if I'm going by that logic, I'm taking Thomas Almeida. Okay. But if you're if you're going to look at betting odds and you say, is Sean O'Malley going to be smart? Sean O'Malley has had grappling tournament style, you know, matches against guys like Hector Lombard. Now he didn't win that against Hector, but this is a 135 pound guy who going against a guy that you know easy 185er. You know he did cut down to 170, but also Gilbert Melendez. That was a draw when he went with Gilbert Melendez. You know Gilbert can roll. Yeah. Right? He has got a very good ground game. It, I mean, because of his long limbs, he's able to set certain submissions up that other guys can't in the same position. I just look and say, man, go to your skill set. Go to what you are good at. Don't don't think that I have to be this knockout guy. Be the overall MMA fighter. Use all the skills, and you'll be successful. Yeah. So are you taking that bet or not? I'll take – I'm going to take uh, – in this one, I'm going with O'Malley. Homer. I am. <laughs> Homer. Um, okay, so I guess I'm gonna go down to uh one of my teammates, uh, Abu Bakr. So Khabib's cousin. Oh man, look at you dropping all the way down. Uh, to that. What is that? The first fight of the night? Oh, back of the. God, what Come the on, baby. Later. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna put my Homer skills out. Look, the the only knock on him is that he's got the wrestling, he's got the power, he's got the stand up, he's got all these things. The knock on him is that he doesn't like to do the running. That's the just, conditioning, the hard part, the putting hard part. putting the hay in the barn, so when you are fighting, it's easy. What does that tell you? You know what? Get <laughs> the hay in the barn. I didn't get that analogy. That's oh, it's called putting the hay in the barn. That way, you know it's there. Oh. If you if you're sitting there, you got to feed the horses, and there's no hay in the barn. You got to go out and try to run out and get something. Don't do it. Put the hay in the barn. Have it have it there for you. If you need it, it's there. If you don't, great. Sean just dated himself with hay in the barns and people are like barns. <laughs> hey, what do we still make hay? <laughs> so uh with Abu Baka, uh Manap, like we just it really just comes down to if he's in shape for this fight. If he's in shape, I think he wins. If he's not in shape, his last fight, he was dominating the first round, round and a half. He just got tired and got triangle choked. It doesn't because because of conditioning. Because he didn't have the hay in the barn. Yeah, the hay. In the barn. Okay. All right, John. We gotta we gotta get rid All of right. let, let me ask you a question. Cut some firewood. It's off to the right. Let's use firewood. Uh, okay, we'll use fire. He didn't put the firewood in the rack. Yeah. But let, let, let's be honest. You know, training MMA is difficult, but it's fun. Yeah. You know, the grappling part is fun. The stand-up part is fun. What is the part that sucks? It's the conditioning. I love it. And well, you're you are rare, but let's think about the conditioning. You you talked just the other 
you know, podcast, and you talked about Luke Rockhold running those sprints, you know, pole to pole and all of that. You, you know, how often did you go out and run? And what kind of running did you do that put you in a position where you did not have to worry about getting tired? Yeah, if we're going to talk about conditioning, I mean, like one of the biggest things that I love to do is we would run, I would run eight, 100 or eight, 400 yard sprints. So basically a full track. So I would run eight of those. I'm going to throw up just thinking about it. I know, I know. <laughs> um, and what I would do is I would, I would basically say, hey, I can't have any of them out of the eight over a minute 25. They all had to be under a minute 25. And I gave myself double the recovery for the first two weeks of camp. And then the next two weeks, I shortened the recovery down to either a minute 45 or a minute 30, depending on how my body felt, you know, and then I went and then by the fourth week, you should be at a minute. So your last four weeks are another you're reducing every 15 seconds or five seconds or whatever your you recovery time, your recovery time. So basically, by the time you get to the fight or the week before the fight, your eight sprints, your recovery times down to like 30 seconds to 45 seconds. So that means that when you are fighting and your output is so much, when you take that step back, you take that deep breath and you're ready to go again. There you go. Cause it's not, it's not about, you're going to get tired, yeah. but it's the recovery. How fast do you recover from when your heart rate is really high? Your heart rate's going to get high, but if you're in shape and you take that little step back and you step to the right or you step to the left and you get a little space and you take one or two or three good breaths, and all of a sudden your heart rate just drops down 15, 20 beats. That's what tells you I'm in shape and I can go. And if you don't have that and your heart rate stays high, like his did in his last fight, it's telling you, you are missing a certain element of this sport and conditioning. If you've got a, you know, you could be a Ferrari and if you got a half gallon gas tank, doesn't matter. You're going to lose a lot of fights because you're not able to put it out when you need to. You could be a Ford F-150. You got a 50-gallon gas tank. You're going to do well. John, with all these analogies today. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, he's just got to come in in shape, and I think he's got the ability to win. And the pressure's on him, too. He needs to get this win. Yeah. You know what I mean, then it's, it's, it's tough with the name that he has. It really is. It really is. I mean, he's got little Umar in there now who's just, a, I'm telling you guys right now, he's a fucking world beater, that young man. Yeah, so is his brother. And you got Islam and, you know, it's like you got all of these They're They're all so damn good. It's crazy how good they are. Uh, well, Umar's brother, Usman, will be fighting, what, April 2nd? Yeah, next week. Yeah, he's good, too. Let's see, between the two brothers, what are they, 20, 20, I want to say 24, 25 and 0. Yeah, something Not else. bad. They're almost up to Khabib. <laughs> he is a little bit older than them, though. Just a little. <laughs> Just a little. They actually call him Grandpa. Oh, yeah. man, that hurts. So they, they tell, they say the same thing like that. You, you old, like my father. <laughs> I'm like, you're a jerk. No respect. No respect. But Abu Bakr though, he, he's got all the ability and the skill. And I think he can do it as long as he's in shape. If he's in shape, I think, I think he's going to get the, get it done. Um, look, the return though of Jessica Penne. It's been what? Three years. Oh yeah. It's been a long time. Four years now, four years. She hasn't fought. And not to yeah. mention, has she not, has she not, she hasn't fought. She's coming off of what? Three losses. Yeah. Yeah. Three losses in a row from when she did go away. I mean, look, I look at it a couple of different ways. She's had time now to reinvent herself. Is she the same fighter? Did she spend that time properly and, and make herself a better fighter all the way around, not just on the feet or on the ground? Did she 
good at wrestling? Can she get the takedowns? Can she do all the things that you have had three years to work on your craft? Please tell me I'm going to see a better Jessica Penny because I got to tell you, I have seen uh, she looked like I think before it might have been like just wasn't it wasn't working. Maybe. maybe it was just more like, you know, I've been doing this a long time. You know, I just people get into ruts. Fighters get into ruts. Sure, they, absolutely. They do the same shit until one day someone exposes them and it doesn't work anymore. And then they stay with it and they just keep getting tore up. Once the groundwork has been laid on how to beat you, people just figure it out and they beat you that way. And with her. Every time I've seen her at events, whether it's the UFC or whether it's uh, Bellator, she looks like she's in phenomenal shape, you know, and so it looks like she's been training. I see her posting all the time, not just in the last year, but probably in the last two year, two and a half years of her posting all the time, running with her dogs, uh, training with, you know, various people in different locations, kind of seems like picking other people's brains to get better. So I'm hoping to see a whole new reinvented Jessica Penne and see if she can get back on the winning track. I mean, she's what, 38 years old. I don't want to say she doesn't have a lot of time left because in the division that she's in and in, I think in all of women's MMA, you can fight for a long time as long as you just keep making sure that you're progressing and getting better and, and uh, making your craft better. I think in, in one realm of this, you know, we have seen her and she has always been in shape and she has always been training she wants to come back she is she had a really hard time with usada she felt that she was uh dealt with you know unfairly that kind of was proved to a point but they've got a win in the end so they gave her a certain amount of time but you take a look and here's a person she's got something to prove yeah and i think in this fight i think uh she's uh she's gonna come out and show exactly what she has i I remember her when she was the atom weight, which is 105 pound champion of Invicta. And she was outstanding there. It was finally Michelle Watterson was the one that came in and she was, you know, she was actually doing really well in the fight, got, got caught in an arm bar and uh, lost her title there. But I think she's got something, you know, uh, inside that tells her, Hey, I got something to prove. This is a big fight for me and I'm going to come out and shine. I expect her to have a great performance. I met her uh, at the University of San Diego. Her and I did a women's self-defense uh, class together. And she I'm was glad you took her class. That's good. <laughs> wow, <laughs> Bert. Come on, baby. <laughs> Boom, roasted. roasted. <laughs> uh, no, but she was such a sweet person and so nice. And every time I've ever encountered her uh, beyond that, she's always been just an amazing person. So, um, I'm excited to see her return. I had to give her some props uh, for even just sticking around. Honestly, three years, you're thinking or almost four. Almost four. This man, I'm not, I'm 30. I'm like, she's 38 years old. Like go do something else with your life. But no, <laughs> she loves it so much and she wants to continue to do it. I just hope we see a, a different, you know, Jessica Penny. I know there's gonna be a little bit of that adrenaline dump probably in the first round uh, from all the long layoff, but I've, I'd like to see all the new tools that she brings in, hopefully. So give her some hot. Um, all right. Well, hey, let's talk about what else we got. Give us some news there, podcast, Dave. Mm-hmm. Well, well, is that the end of our weighing in on the odds? That was a long one, dude. Oh, sorry. My long bad. one. My bad. That was a long there one. There you go. That's what I'm trying to give you. Uh, so if you guys can go to weighing in on the odds, go to weighing in on the odds, go to mybookie.hg <laughs> and use the promo code weighing in. There you go. So, but that was great. 
that was absolutely fabulous. What a, what oh, a, man. What a great outro. <laughs> that, was, that was my only way of pushing you from afar. Oh, man. You got long arms, though. I saw a picture of you. It came up. I was looking for a picture with Jen Brown because I wanted to wish her happy birthday yesterday. And uh, I saw a picture of her interviewing the two of us. I think we're at Mohegan, uh, not Mohegan, um, the other place in Connecticut. Remember that one? Hartford? Not Hartford. Where was the Oh, uh, no, Bridgeport. Bridgeport. And uh, we're on the stage with her. God, you've lost a lot of weight since then. Yeah, I gain it back. Jab. I'm not trying to take I'm not trying to give a jab. <laughs> but you are, like everything, you look a lot leaner now. I'm just older. No, that's not. Yeah. It's gravity. It's all going down towards my feet. <laughs> size 15 went to a size 22. Uh, like, dude, I'm right up next to Shaq now. <laughs> I don't know how he walks around those big ass feet. Oh, my God. He got some big feet. My son, the first time I ever introduced my son to him, he's looking at him and he shakes his hand and then he looks down at his feet and he looks over at me and goes, he's got the biggest feet I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> two and a half feet or 22 and a half. 22, yeah. size 22 foot. That's All right, a good one. Let's jump into this. Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier is supposed to be targeted for July 10th. Uh, you know, they're, what they're trying to do is you know, bring back International Fight Week. So you put that fight in there. I can totally understand why they're doing it. It's a good call. Yeah, you you want to fight like that for it. You know, the trilogy, everything about it says, yeah, it's the right thing. I know there's a lot of people. I think even you kind of wondering why is Dustin taking this fight? over a championship fight he's always wanted that you know undisputed title i look and i say this is the smart fight for him i understand you know you've got to have confidence in yourself you've got to have a belief and he believes that he can beat connor again and then he believes that he will get that title shot and then go get that you got to love the fact that you know he's he's doing things his own way and i love you know the thought process behind it is all about winning and so to me, it's the right, you know, the right path for me because you, you got to bet on yourself. Yeah, I would imagine I, I don't maybe I'm mistaken, but I would imagine that they've increased his pay significantly since. Oh, the, no doubt about it. And so uh, the fact that he's taking this over a title shot means that he, they're paying him pretty damn well. Damn straight. Only thing that I can think of um, in terms of them fighting again, <clears throat> the groundwork has been laid. I don't know how Connor's going to change it. Um, he needs to fight a style of fight that he fought against Eddie Alvarez and uh, Junior, uh, not Junior Dos Santos. <laughs> Come on, man. We were talking about this against Jose Aldo. That in and out, that light style, that ability to move himself. You got to watch those things, Josh, because that's the guy that will give anyone problems. Not saying he can't get beat, but the guy that was the boxer that we watched against Dustin Poirier in that last fight, he's got to get rid of him. I don't think he can change, John. I don't think he can change. What what the difference was in those two fights when he fought um, Jose Aldo. Now I'm all messed up with the name. <laughs> he fought Jose Aldo and he fought Eddie Alvarez. He was an active fighter. He is not an active fighter now. Like he's he, once once a year is not enough. Okay, I and agree. Just not enough. And then when he fought uh, Cowboy, the fight was what 19 seconds or something. That's no. Oh, 19 seconds man I mean, what are you dc now oh it's a three second fight <laughs> it's been going for 25 seconds the fight was short you're not getting, yeah, it was. You're not it getting was. enough out of that in terms let's of say 40 yeah let's you're not getting enough out of that in terms of you know what you can see from him and that was at a different weight class as well look what i think is dustin poyer 
has laid the groundwork. And I don't know. Here's the thing. When Connor kind of left the sport and Connor now has come back in, the guys that he fought weren't big leg kickers. I mean, don't get me wrong. What's his name? Uh, Cowboy. Cowboy, he kicks well to the body, kicks well to the head. You know, didn't used to kick a lot more to the legs, doesn't kick as much now to the legs. So um, in saying that, what I'm saying is that he, these, he needs to make an adjustment that he is not used to making. The wider stance, the fact that Dustin Poirier is southpaw, that makes a big difference because now that weak leg is there and he will always be in that stance where majority of the people that he's fought have been conventional. So there can only kick the inside leg and all he does to check that kick is turn the knee down. Yeah, That's not going to happen in this fight. That's Dustin Poirier's power leg right to the calf. And we're going to see, I think, a somewhat similar situation. And this is going to be a five-round fight, just like the first one was, and didn't even get past the third. So it's like you're really kind of getting into that position where all he's got to do is start tattooing that leg early. And we have, we've said this before. Justin Wilcox, a long time ago, fought a guy in Bellator. Yep. A-Cop Stepanian. Yep, Stepanian kicked him so many times in the calf that I got to kid you not, like six to eight months later, Justin came back to train for another fight. He still could not grapple to the point where if you banged it, he couldn't, he, it hurt him so bad. So if you kicked, I mean, there was no way we kicked there. He couldn't check kicks. He had to switch stance to wrestling a certain way because he couldn't push off on that leg anymore. And here's what six and eight months later, he is taking a fight. Conor McGregor is, he's taking a fight within the next, what is this in July? So what is that? Six months later, yeah. six months later, yeah, since January to July. Yeah. I don't think we can see. I don't know if he can get back to the Conor McGregor that was that fought um, Jose Aldo, <laughs> Jose Aldo, uh, you know, and or Eddie Alvarez, or Eddie Alvarez. I don't know if he can get back to that guy, not in that amount of time and make the adjustments to check those kicks. I don't think it's enough time. I think he can. I, I, I look and I say any fighter that's that's been there, done that. He can get back to what he was doing that made him successful. But you've got to do certain things that put you in that atmosphere. And that is, you got to get rid of all the other bullshit. And, and I'm not saying it's bullshit. It, it, it's Connor has gotten himself into a position where he's a businessman and he's got all these things going. So I do my training in the morning. Then I go and I, I start doing my meetings and stuff. No, you want to win this fight? You've got to get back to fighting is number one. There is nothing else right now. You want to win this fight against Dustin Poirier because Dustin Poirier is 100% in. He is doing all the right things that prepares him to beat you a second time. So you need to put yourself into that same realm. Everything else, secondary. You've got to become very selfish. I know that's tough when you got kids and you got, you know, the people around you, but 100% in. You're 100%. This is the most important thing. Everything else takes a back seat to what I need to do to prepare myself to beat this guy in July. Dustin Poirier is the Conor McGregor at Jose Aldo level right now in terms of he he's trying to fight. He's so focused on making that next tier life-changing money for his family. That's he will not be denied. And I mean, <laughs> that's what I'm trying to say. Like he is that he is what Connor was when he fought Jose Aldo and when he fought Eddie Alvarez, that's where Dustin Poirier is right now. Connor McGregor is not in that same, that same position. He's already made that life changing money. He is not the same person. He is not. I don't think he is going to be able to focus 
on just this fight. As much as people want to want to say he's gonna, no, I don't think he's gonna be able to. Maybe he. I think he can. You think he can? But I, like, I'm going back to. I don't think that he's gonna be able to get because of the inactivity. He can't get back to that level because he may be able to mimic the style of what it was before, but he will not be as accurate. He will not be as precise as he was before. All of those things come with time and activity, and he just doesn't have it. He's made too much money, John. I'm going to say it. He's yeah, made well, You say he's softer. Too freaking rich. And you're saying he's softer. I don't want to say you're he's saying soft. you're saying money has changed this guy yeah. to the fact that no, he's not going to be the same fighter. Yes. Okay. I think so. I agree. I, I think you I know, agree. if you can get to that point, you can get to it again. It took no him doubt about it. There, not six months. It took him years before to get there. Not six months, John. He's already been there, Josh. He knows where to go. That's the not- car has been on that route. Just put it right back on the track. You think Tom Brady takes time off between the seasons? No, that's why he's so damn good. He's been <laughs> so damn long. He's always studying. They said he's like the biggest nerd in the NFL. Guess what? If you want to be a Tom Brady, which Conor McGregor, if he wants to be that Tom Brady, He's got to stop dinking around with everything else. And I don't think I, what did I say? He can't, he's got, he's got to make this. This is number one, hundred percent in. Even if he does, it's not enough time. Give it in a year. If he was doing it in a year or he fought somebody else first and then came back and fought Dustin, he could try to evolve a little bit. I think he, that'd be enough time. He needs to get a different fight in the middle, but it ain't going to happen. He's going to go right to the automatic rematch. And Dustin's going to go to that leg again. And I'm going to tell you who knows, maybe that calf is not healed. Michael Chandler has not been the same either since taking a couple hard leg calf kicks. Like you saw, even with the Dan Hooker situation, Dan Hooker hit him one or, one or two times with a decent leg kick. And Chandler took a couple steps back, shook out the leg a little bit. Like how you see, he bounces. He does that little bounce step to check and see if there's any feeling there. Okay. And then he bounces back in to throw power shots. I don't think it's enough time i think dustin poyer has laid the groundwork and he's going to tattoo the leg a little bit and we're going to find out in the first round and a half whether uh connor can take take those leg kicks i don't think he can yeah we are going to find out power leg kick side what's that the power leg kick. what's that what's that (laughs) it's the power (laughs) leg kick side Uh, the other side where guys have to kick with their lead leg connor's not like you could probably kick someone there all day with the lead leg no, Dustin Southpaw, he's throwing heavy heat with that leg kick to that calf. Every time he jumps in and out, just throw it. Even, what do you think? Connor's not going to fall you to the ground. He's not going to come come to Poppy doing that. He ain't doing that. He, ain't he can to, say come to Poppy. Not going to the ground with Dustin <laughs> Poirier. He is not. No, I didn't say he was, but if you're telling me that he can't figure out how to address that lower calf kick and make someone pay for it, I think you're wrong. He can't. Okay, but can he do it? Can he do it to the point of finishing Dustin? Because Dustin can kick that. that He's kick. already finished. I think you're forgetting that in the past, he already finished Dustin once. Are we talking about in the past or are we talking about present? Because I'm talking about right now. That's well, you, you, you're talking about the past when Dustin beat Connor. John, that was like right around. Oh, now, now, now you're going to go, oh, no, one was so close. <laughs> Years ago. Come on. Both of them are in the past. Both of them. They both, they both have, have victories. But it doesn't mean that things cannot change either way. Dustin just on another level right now. Yeah, well, I agree with you. I think he's been fighting fantastic. I love watching him. But We're going to see. Yeah, it's going to be good. Give me something else there, podcast. Day. We'll, we'll have to go weighing in on the odds when that fight's up. Yes, we will. <laughs> 
Uh, Islam, I love to fight Justin Gaethje next if RDA bout doesn't come to fruition. Ooh. Look, uh, what, do you, what are your thoughts? Because I'm going to get into the other part of it. Um, well, my thoughts on this is for Islam, that's a great fight. I'm just being just as honest as I can be. In the stand-up, Islam is a better stand-up fighter than Habib. Uh, he's smoother. He's more technical. He doesn't bring the same pressure that Habib does, but his skill level and his the technique that he has, it's better, actually. His grappling is superior, especially on the ground, and his takedowns, he's better than Justin Gaethje as a wrestler. Yeah, I, Everyone's going to yell at me. So Justin Gaethje was, you know, a Division II All-American. How'd that work out against Khabib? <laughs> yeah, okay. That's my point. As uh, This is not, in my opinion, a good stylistic matchup for Justin Gaethje. Now, it doesn't mean that maybe he wants the fight. You know that they have the same manager. And you look at that situation, and you can talk about that, but it's a matter of, wow, if you are his manager you know, of Islam and Justin, if you're that guy and we know who he is, if you're Ali and you're making this fight, unless Justin Gaethje is begging for it, I don't think that you're doing both of your clients what you're supposed to be doing. It's it's a little weird. It is. I mean, <clears throat> you're, Justin just lost to Khabib. And which that's and that one's a normal when you talk about it because that's a championship fight. You have the same manager. Hey, whoever wins, wins. I, I, I'm backing both of you. That, that makes sense. This one kind of doesn't, even though they're not friends. Look, even though they're not friends, but it doesn't mean that they haven't been in the same room together. You know, Ali does that our dominance MMA, like, you know, group, whatever yep. media stuff. They've met. They know each other. They, I just, I think it feels a little weird. It does feel a little weird. I mean, like if I'm a manager, I'm like, gosh, man, how do I stay out of this situation? <laughs> you know, <laughs> or like, I, but then again, it also, if I'm, if I'm Islam, I'm wondering too, like, why? I guess like, I know we don't train together, but like, we're on the same kind of like on the same team a little bit. Like, why? I, there's so many other guys. There's Tony Ferguson, there's RDA, there's well, Tony Ferguson's got to fight. Who's he fighting again? Uh, I want to say I'd have to look. Oh, Dariush, that's right. Dariush, which, yeah, which is another Ali guy. I mean, if we were to pull up the rankings, can you pull up the rankings, Dave? Like, if we're talking about these rankings in here. I guess I mean Islam can find anybody in that top that top area. So not Tony Ferguson, not Charles, obviously not Dustin, everyone all the way up. So you got Dan Hooker as well. I mean Dan Hooker coming off of a loss. You got RDA. I, I mean, I mean Islam just he just fought though. So if he wants to fight again after Ramadan, I, I'm mistaken by the way. Everyone was hitting me up. Ramadan's in April this year, not in July. Like at what? Oh, it's in May. Oh, they said April. Not maybe April into May. Into May probably. Okay. Um. You know, but he's got guys that he could fight before then. Uh, I th I think the RDA fight will probably happen. I mean, I just think it's a, it's weird. It's I don't. There's it's not a good fight for for Justin Gaethje. I don't think so. Anywhere on the feet, on the ground, and don't get me wrong, Justin's got the power. He's got he's got he's got the power on the feet. He's got the chin. You know, he's we've seen it. But Islam's not gonna fight you that way. <laughs> that's he's not gonna fight you that he's gonna fight you a little bit how you know could be fought you a little more composed on the feet not so much pressure but he's gonna take you down once he takes you down he is better than than khabib on the ground and khabib made made, made it look easy like when he hit the, the arm trying to hit the arm bar at the end of the first 
and then he hit the triangle in the second. He made it look easy. Once the takedown happened, he made it look easy. Islam's better than better than him on the ground when it comes to the grappling aspect. And so I, it's not it's not a good fight for Justin. So if I was Justin, I'd be like, hey man, like why are our own guys calling me out? Like, let's <laughs> you know, so it's a little weird. I think it's a little weird. That's a hard part of being a manager. It's it's Ooh. one of the hardest parts too of being a of, of having so many top guys. You know, and it can only last so long. You know, it's like guys start wanting, like, how come I don't have what he has? And how come I don't have what he has? And how come, how come now you're trying to match me with that, your other guy? Like, you know, it's like, it's hard, man. And, and the promotion's not going to deal with it. That's the other thing is you're going to get pressure from the promotion. Like, I know you manage all these guys, but they're going to have to start fighting each other. And so that might be it as well. You know, so who knows? But that catapults Islam right up into that top talk now. I mean, if he beats Justin, that's. Oh. And maybe one more fight for a title, if that. I mean, they may be even talking about him fighting the winner of Chandler and uh, Oliveira or Dustin Poirier. You know, you never know. I would think Dustin would get it next uh, after the Chandler Oliveira thing. Wow, you're already saying that Dustin's going to beat Connor. Look at you. I said it like five, five minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> I said it five minutes ago. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure that it's out there. That's all. Just wanted to make sure. <laughs> Someone's got like a uh, one of those trap minds or whatever they call it. Like, man, you forgot what I said five minutes ago. I didn't forget. Get your keys. Just put just put it back out there. Really good long term memory and short term memory shot. Who knows? That could be. <laughs> could be. Uh, I heard short term memory is the first to go in the old age. Oh, dude, a lot of things are the first things to go in the old age. <laughs> You're not all nighter anymore then. <laughs> oh. It's like John's like, oh, I probably never was. It's like, uh. I always tell myself, like, I'm not. <laughs> I'm okay with it. Okay with it. <laughs> uh, All right, give me something else. Daniel Cormier believes Francis Ngannou is on, on the cusp of global superstardom. Oh, look at Daniel Cormier. You don't think Daniel Cormier has taken over for Joe Rogan as far as the, uh, the mouthpiece for the UFC and what they're putting out? Um, I, I love him. But global superstardom. Depends on what you're talking about. You know? I think, you know, in North America, he's, he's widely accepted as a great athlete and a, and a, a person that people like, they like, you know, his personality, they like his style. I think, uh, even down into South America, some, um, maybe into Europe, but you get into some places, you know, he's definitely not going to be a superstar when it comes to being in Russia or China or, you know, anywhere in Asia area. I don't see it. I could be wrong, but you know, that would be global. Yeah, yeah. I when I think global, I think of like power everywhere, Russia, China, and Japan. Yeah, everywhere. Those you know, global, you, right? you look at when Connor was big. You know, he's going and he's sitting with you know Putin and people like that. That's global. Yeah, that's superstar everywhere. I, I'm just seeing it just a little bit different. But you know, he's he's super likable. He's a great guy. He's got a great personality. He's fun to be around. Um, He's uh he's he's got the whole package, especially when it comes to how you know scary he is every time he steps. Because you expect when Francis Ngano steps into the cage, you expect something traumatic to happen, <laughs> and so that that makes him somebody you want to watch. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't go as far to say global. But I, I, he'll still be a superstar, especially if he if he is able to finish Debay in the first round, round and oh, a half. Yeah. By a nasty KO, like an overeem tight KO. It's, yeah, he's going to be catapulted into stardom, but it will not be. It won't be global. 
I'm not trying to knock him and just no, not at all. Uh, Kenny Florian joins the PFL commentary. Jonathan, mm. how do you feel about this? You know, it's, uh, first off, I want to say congratulations to Kenny. I love Kenny. He's a great guy. Um, I, I really felt bad with the way things went for him near the end of his his run with the UFC and stuff. So he's always had the battle bots, and now he's coming back into MMA, and that's a great thing. But I do have questions about it, Josh, in the fact of with the PFL. You know, the PFL had Boss Rutten and Randy and Eves Edwards. Then they kind of got rid of um, Boss. Sean O'Connell, a fighter, actually ended up being the play-by-play guy, which is something that you never see done. And yeah. he's done a great job of, you know, working his way into that and trying to figure it out. But I, I look and say, are they going to put, you know, them as a three-man booth? Because if they do, Sean's a little bit different as the play-by-play guy because he really understands – you know, what's going on. And he doesn't deliver things the same way as other play-by-play guys will, because he does it more like a color commentator and he's got Randy already. And now you're going to put a third one with Kenny. Is that what they're going to do with him? I don't know. I like the three-man box at the cage because it brings a different dynamic. So when you and I work it, I, I love it. I love doing so do it. I. I love, I loved it more also too. I'm not more, but I loved it also when it was strike force, when strike force used to do it with Frank and Pat Mill. Oh, that was horrible. Look, I didn't say their commentary was just good. horrible, dude. but I liked I liked it. Josh, better. horrible. John, <laughs> John, Frank, Frank was a really bad commentator. Just so, but I'm saying that. Oh, the, look at Big Country finding a way to use that belly. I'll never forget. That. He was on Andre Arlovski. I was like, oh god, he didn't say that, did he? But the but the thing is though, is that I liked that when one person was saying something outlandish, the other person could come in and make it. Make it either fun or use the technique or talk about the technique. And so that they've kind of played, they played uh, one person took one person, the other person took the other, you know, and it kind of, you could see who was trying to talk about one person being good and the other person being good. I like that dynamic versus you having to sit up there and talk about both fighters. 50% each. on both. Yeah, it's like 50% on both. And if one's doing well, then you get criticized on, well, da, 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 da. you said like he, all he did was talk about that guy. Well, that guy was winning the fight and there's only one of me up here. Like, it's so I, I, I like the, the two man, I like the three man booth with the play by play and the two colors. I like that. So, but, but I, what, what, whatever. Good luck to Kenny. Congratulations on getting the spot and uh, look forward to watching you in your uh, first time with the PFL. So uh, Kamzat Chimeyev says he's coming back to smash everybody. Okay. Look at that. We have a different change, you know, for, from I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm sorry to I'm coming back to smash. I wish well, I said smash. Smash. <laughs> I smash you. Doesn't sound right coming from him. Smash. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, until you get in the cage, I'm just waiting to see it. That's all. I mean, in terms of who he'd like to, who I'd like to see him fight, I'd like to see him fight. Uh, Kiesa would be good. I think you brought up Kiesa. Once I would. I would love to see that fight. I think they would match up very well. You know, um, Kiesa's probably thinking ahead of him though, since Shemayev's not even in the top 15 rankings right now. Oh, I don't think I don't think Kiesa wants that based just based upon that he's not even in the rankings. Yeah, Kiesa but, the title shot. But then he had, you know, he was supposed to fight Leon Edwards. And Leon had the, you know, the debacle with Bilal Muhammad and the eye poke that, you know, ended that fight. So why not put him back with Leon Edwards? 
Why no? What I think is, why not put him with Bilal Muhammad, and the winner gets Leon Edwards. You're gonna make Leon sit out again. Leon's <laughs> probably gonna have to sit out forever, anyways. He's trying to wait for a title shot. Like I don't know what he I don't know what he's gonna do. He's gonna have to fight someone in there. I mean, outside of Stephen Thompson, there's nobody else there for him to fight. Leon, maybe Kiesa. I guess you have Stephen and Kiesa, and you've got. I would, I would go with what you said. I'll take if you want to put Bilal Muhammad and. Shemayev against each other, that's great. And they put Leon and Thompson against each other. Two great matchups. Yeah. We get killed two birds with one stone. Yeah, I kind of like it. I hope look, at, look, at, look at you. The big brain on Josh Thompson and the matchmaking. Liking it. I know. Crowd goes wild. <sighs> no crowd. No crowd cares. Wow. <laughs> I didn't boo you. Rodney Dangerfield around here. I did not boo you. My dad would have reached all the way from California and slapped me in the head. <laughs> all right, what else you got for us? Oh, Luke Rock. There it is, Dave. Good job. Way to be ahead of schedule. Luke Rock Colt says he has that fire back ahead of UFC comeback. Not only does he have the fire, he's got a new coach. <laughs> what about that, Josh? He says that Khabib Nurmagomedov is going to be his coach. Oh, geez. I like the fact that he's been working out with Jason Perillo too, you know, but he's been all over. Yeah. I think that's the, one of the best things about him right now. It makes me feel like he does have the fire back. Um, he's been training at Ruka at the Ruka warehouse and their gym there is top level facility that they have there. He's been training there. He's been training out at Sanford MMA as well. So he's been out there and then now he's in Vegas. He actually came back for a day or two at Ruka and then went back to, then he went to Vegas to train with uh, Khabib and those guys. So do I think he's got the fire? Yeah, I've seen him plenty of times all around at different locations, training at random gyms, just getting some work in. But what it what makes me feel like I'm hoping to see more of is I want to see him get back to what what made him successful. And it was what made him successful was he was an athlete before fighting. He's a fucking phenomenal surfer. He's a really good skateboarder. He's and I'm seeing him do all those things again. You know, he's posting clips of himself surfing. He's posting clips of himself skateboarding. I mean, doing things that I would never do on a skateboard. <laughs> and, and so when I see him, he's, you know, he's doing things with his dog. He's got a little sidekick dog that he takes with them everywhere. And, you know, and uh, and what I know is what I know is this. He's in a good frame of mind. And you and I had talked about this the other day when Bisping had posted that video of you know Bisping giving him a hard time at ruka training center and then Bisping picture with his dog a video of his dog like oh his dog actually likes me more than luke <laughs> this was fun it was a fun video the fact that they're still in the same building and, and the truth can be said is that the luke that lost to Bisping for months after maybe even a year after wouldn't it be caught dead in the same building as Bisping? no <laughs> like no that that like no i think he's in a good space right now as a person and uh, as, as long as he does what he needs to do, he needs to work on his wrestling, get it back because he was a phenomenal wrestler in high school. And he needs to work on being an athlete again and using all of his tools in an MMA fighter. His jujitsu is nasty good. We just never see him use it anymore. And his wrestling used to be very, very good. If you go back and watch his fight with Jacques Ray, you go back and watch his fight with Tim Kennedy. He's good, oh. good. Like his wrestling was very, he just needs to pull that back. You just spent, 15 minutes trying to tell me that Conor McGregor could be the old Conor McGregor if he just focused on that. Well, mm -hmm. I want to see the old Luke Rockhold if he just focuses on that. I want to see the old Luke Rockhold, the one that fought Jacques Ray, the one that fought Chris Weidman, the one, the, that guy. I want to see that guy. If I see that guy, there's a good chance he can be champion again. Good chance.
I, I'm going to break it down into this. When I first met Luke Rockhold, he was a good, solid fighter everywhere. And he was a good person. He was fun to be around. He, you know, he, he was easy to joke with and life, you know, life hits us all in different ways. And sometimes we get too much coming our ways and we start to change the way we do things and who we are as a person. And I will tell you, you know, when, when he lost to Bisping, he had no respect for Michael Bisping at that time at all. He had no respect before the fight. He was, he was positive. He was almost so, so in a, in a position of, uh, can't even believe I have to be here to do this. And, you know, I, I actually, you know, had both, you know, I had the fight. So I had a bunch of, uh, the commissioners from the California state athletic commission wanted to go in and hear the fighters during the, the fighter instructions and stuff. So they, you know, went with me to both Luke and to Mike's and Michael was, you know, happy and, you know, doing stuff with Jason Perillo and just saying, you know, yeah, John, I'm ready to go. Yeah. And Rockhold was almost, you know, he had disgust really was the attitude that he had. And it was almost to the point, and I'm telling you right now, you know, you know, Bob Cook, Bob was almost embarrassed. Yeah. You, you know, he kind of leaves me say, I'm sorry, John. And it was like, and the, the commissioners looked at that and said, what is wrong with him? And I said, well, he just, you know, he's already got a win against him. This is a, a replacement opponent. And so, you know, he just thinks that he's going to, you know, have his way with him. They go, okay. And you saw what happened. And that's what happens in fighting when mentally, you know, you think you're going to walk through some, everybody's dangerous. I look at what has happened to Luke in his career in the last stages, you know, his fight with UOL, his fight with Jan Blahovich. He's in that position now. You have to rebuild yourself, but he can do it. Oh, he yeah. is that good athletically. He is that smart as an individual. He's very intelligent. He just needs to get back to being the guy that was in strike force, you know, fighting the Jacarees and fighting the Tim Kennedys because that Tim Kennedy fight. That was the best Tim Kennedy I ever saw. And Luke, you know, in that fight, just took over in that fight because Tim was doing everything he could. And Luke was just, you know, that he was just that step ahead in the fight. His stand-up is good. When, when he wants to be slick, he's slick. When it, you talk about his ground game, you know, he had the, he had the grappling match against Nicky Rodriguez, you know, and it was a decision. He lost it, but this is a guy, he... In MMA, his grappling is fantastic. He is that good, you know, and all he's got to do is get back to being that Luke that was fighting in strike force at the end, and he was the champ or the guy that came into the UFC. Yeah, he lost to Vitor Belford in his first one. That can happen to anybody uh, with the head kick, but then he went on a tear, and I'm telling you, that guy, he comes back, he's trouble for anybody. Yeah, he lost to a TRT Vito Belford. Yes, he did. I'll agree with that. Let's clarify that. Yes, he uh, did. Like I, I agree with you everywhere. We Luke and I actually we kind of we, I, I have we have like kind of that big brother, little brother thing going on, but he's bigger than me. But I'm the you know, during the stage of the career was you're the older, the older brother. <laughs> so but it became that it became like during this time we spent a lot of time training together and working together. But as he got towards more towards that title shot, we started to kind of grow apart. Like that you talked about the personalities and just, it wasn't the same. He wasn't the same Rockhold that I, you know, watched come up. And, and, um, 
and it was sad. And then we kind of drifted apart a little bit, you know, in the, in the process of all that, you know, even after he had lost to Bisbing and we kind of drifted apart, but then after he lost to Blahovich, um, you know, just randomly I had seen him out, you know, I think we we're in LA together or something like that. And, and, uh, he came through and, and, uh, he seemed like a different person. And so we just randomly, I'd, you know, I seen some of his videos on social and hit him up. It's like, Hey man, I really love what you're doing with this. I love the, uh, I love this picture. You know, I love like some of your, some of your photos for, um, Ralph Lauren, whatever, you know, I was just, Hey, like anyways, and I don't, I don't even want to know about what you like with his Ralph Lauren pictures. That's just silly. But we, we actually, you know, interchanged some some uh, some texts and it was uh, Good. a little bit of heart to heart, you know, and it was kind of nice to, to get back on, you know, getting close with each other and being friends and stuff. So it just uh, it, it was good. It's good. I think he's like I said, he's in a good frame of mind right now. He seems very happy. Nothing seems like it's, um, you know, like there's not there's not a lot. It doesn't. I feel like he lost that ego that it set him back. Yeah. Wrong. It's probably still there. But like. Well, not what it was i mean no, I, I think he's learned he's learned to manage it and understands that hey this can all this can all go away real fast yeah. you know and he he is a good guy yes. but it's a matter of you know when you don't show that because things are coming your way and you know you're, you're dating demi lovato and all these different things you know we can all have that little bit of arrogance it, you know it, you can get rid of it He's a good guy. He's a great fighter. He's got an incredible amount of talent. And so if he just comes back to being what he was, and yes, he can, just as Connor can. So yeah, he can do that. And he, he'll be he'll be deadly for everyone. The best part for me in the, you look at it, he doesn't have any pressure on him anymore. No. Just come back and do it the way you want to do it. No one's no one's expecting anything out of him. You know, even the UFC, they're not expecting anything out of him. But if he comes in and he starts being matched up against some of these 185ers, I would love to see Luke Rockhold and a, a, a strike force and a strike force Luke Rockhold against or a, a, you know, fighting Chris Weidman, Luke Rockhold against Israel Adesanya. I would love to see that fight. Yeah, I would too. Can you pull up the, the rankings? If we were to look at these rankings here for 185, you know, I mean, I could see him beating Gaslam. I could see him beating Uriah Hall. I could see him beating Kevin Holland. I could see him beating Chris Weidman again. Um, Hermanson would be a tough go, but I think he's... No. You don't think he does? I, I think he beats Hermanson. I think Hermanson's a horrible matchup for Hermanson. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, okay. So then for Hermanson, I think Vittori, Vittori Till, I think, I think he beats Till. I haven't seen enough of Vittori, though. Vittori is like in your face, throw big shots. Like where pressure fighter. Yeah. Whereas Darren Till is a stick and move, throws big shots also, but slicker. Slicker bounces in out, pop, 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 and gets out. Vittori's gonna hunt you down. And and Luke may have a hard time with that a little bit with the pressure because he doesn't fight well going backwards. But if we see the MMA Luke, where there's a little bit of wrestling and a little bit of time, if he gets Vittori down to the ground, I think he just dominates him. Yep. Absolutely dominates him. Uh, same thing with Till. If he gets Till to the ground, which he will, if he does, I'm saying I think he dominates that position. It's when you get into the Derek Brunson, who which I think he can beat as well. I saw Derek. Derek looks fatigued and tired after, you know, a round and a half, two rounds. Luke's got great conditioning. He's always had great conditioning. He's he's a cardio fucking machine when it comes to when he really wants to train. Uh, Cannoneer. That's a problem right there. Could be a problem. Yeah. Based upon power. Yeah. Good stand up. Good defensive wrestling, so he's he's a guy you got to look at and say, eh, that's a little bit of a problem." 
Yeah, yeah. Whitaker, bit of a problem. The one that gives him the most problems is Paul Costa. I outside of the champ. Outside of the champ. I get Paul. Yeah, I was gonna say no. Okay, go ahead. No, Paul. Yeah, I guess I should say I should even say Whitaker for sure. Those top three guys, he's gonna have a fucking shit show with. It's gonna be a hard fight, no matter what. No, I think if he is able to, which I think he could, I think he could take Whitaker down because he doesn't want to stand with him too much, but he could stand with him because Whitaker's not a long guy. He's not a big, so Luke could stay on the outside. Just got to avoid getting hit. You know what I mean? Like, and that's the key to the game is always making sure you can avoid getting hit. He's got to stay tight with his defense. He had noticed he's been working a lot with Perillo on the defensive part of boxing, not just being all offense. And so that hopefully that translates into MMA as well, not just on the mitts. Um, but Paul Costa, that kind of guy is like that. Yoel Romero, that those kind of guys, I think give him a hard time. And then Izzy, of course, just Izzy is very technically sound, you know, but we've seen that if you, Izzy gets taken down, he ain't not that good. He ain't that good on the ground, you know, and Luke's fucking leaps and bounds levels better than him on the ground, on the ground. But can he get him there? There you go. <laughs> That's the question. But Luke, six, four, six, three, six, four. Luke's a tall, long, lanky guy. What's Izzy? Six, six, five? four. Or, I mean, or, is he like a, the years of we've talked to? Like we just talked about this earlier. Tall, long, and lanky guys, yep. successful. And is he hasn't fought a lot of tall, long, lanky guys in the 185 pound weight class? And they, they're hard, they're hard to compete against. John Jones had a hard time with Gus the first time because he wasn't used to someone being able to hit him back every time he put his hand on their forehead. You know, every time he did the big, the big brother, to somebody, yeah, it, the big brother, man, like, shit, I'm getting hit. What's going on here? And so for Izzy, he's going to have a hard time dealing with someone who's tall and long and lanky like that. Those guys in that weight class are not that person. So Luke does post threats. I'm not saying he's going to beat Izzy. I'm not saying he beat Whitaker or Paulo Costa, but I'm saying he's in that conversation if we see a well-rounded Luke. Yeah. Next. Want to jump in some fan questions? Let's do some fan questions. Are we Let's do it. <laughs> I want to let everybody know, hey, all you guys... <laughs> We are filming this show for the second time in two days. That's because we love you. <laughs> I like to give podcast Dave a hard time, but we've got some new equipment and uh, it's like more like, um, what do you call it? It's new. It's like, it's like when you went from your flip phone to your iPhone, trying to figure out what all the switches and buttons were for. Uh, what do you mean? I'm going to push the three, three times to get some tea or whatever it is, <laughs> you know? Uh, but yeah, so anyways, we're doing it again. Uh, you know what, John? I'm actually surprised. This show is actually as good as the yesterday's. I'm happy. I you know why it's good? Why? Because we're fucking good. Yeah, that's true. Ah! Yeah, that's <laughs> true. I want everyone to understand. From now on, when you guys are on our videos, I want all of you guys to hit and still. I want hashtag and still, okay? Because we are the champs of podca MMA podcasts right here. We are the champs. And anytime someone tries to say that they're the champ, you just put tag Wayne in and still we are and still. Okay. I like that. You like that? That's I the thing. Like that. Come get the title if you want it. I feel <laughs> I feel like you coming off the Nate fight with all the upgraded stuff. And then uh and then last night was my Benson Henderson fight. <laughs> oh man. How mean. <laughs> right, give me give me some fan questions. Are we doing the same ones we did last night? Oh my god. Oh my god. No. Did you have to say it again? We'll find out. I'll go, oh, that's the same question. Yeah, <clears throat> let's do it. All right. Um, the first one is the most popular one from Yup Yup. Um, <laughs> that's the same one. Yep, I remember yep. the Yup Yup. Yup. And he is 
he is a two piece in a soda, so he's one for Josh and one for John. <laughs> uh, for Josh, he asks, at your prime, where do you think you fit in the top ten in lightweight right now? Uh, well, so like we did this yesterday. John, take it away, buddy. John, I want John to answer this. He he'll he'll break it down, and then I'll jump in uh, at the end and tell you kind of like how I feel about what John, how John's critiquing me. Unfortunately, I'm biased. Ooh, man, I could tear you apart right now. I could just tear you apart, but I'm not gonna. I'm gonna be honest. Uh, first off, when Josh was fighting uh, at a certain point in his career, we're talking about he was the number one lightweight in the world. That doesn't go away. Josh had a lot of you know good skills he did not have a lot of power in his hands he had good kicks he had very good wrestling and he understood that conditioning was a way to win a fight when you take a look at the current list of lightweights out there you know there's guys that he has fought that are on that list still tony ferguson that was uh, at a time when yeah let's be honest josh was towards the end of his career not quite as fast uh not quite as uh, able to deal with all the things that tony brought and so that kind of shows you what happens as time goes on and we slow down, you know, you can have problems with those fighters. But if you look at all those fighters going up from, I'll say, Islam Makachev would have been a problem for, for Josh based upon his ability to wrestle. If there was any, if there the people that gave Josh the biggest problem were the people that actually were very good wrestlers because that matched up with his skill set. So if you're taking a look at Paul Felder, Paul Felder would have been a really good fight with Josh. I would have, I would have enjoyed watching that. Paul definitely had the power advantage over Josh. Everyone did. <laughs> but Josh definitely has a conditioning factor that would have pushed Paul. And if he had gotten Paul to the ground, I think it would have been very similar to what you saw with the RDA fight in that Paul wasn't going to get up from him. And it was a matter of how much damage could Josh do on the ground with Paul. I'm not saying that he would have submitted him, but he could have had a chance at it. So that would have been a, a good matchup. Uh, and I look at Benil Dararush, that would have been a good fight. Uh, I think he would match up well. Dan Hooker would have, been, would have been a good fight for Josh. Long, tall, but doesn't wrestle that great. And your wrestling would have been you know, something that would have helped in getting a win over him. Uh, I think that uh, RDA is a great fight for you. I think at matchup-wise, that would have been a, a fight that you would have enjoyed. The Connor fight, wow, Connor at number six right now. <sighs> Southpaw's not the best thing in the world for you. So right now, yeah, the, if, if Connor fought like he did against Dustin Poirier in a, as a boxer in his last fight, you would have had a good shot of beating him in that fight. The the grappling part, uh, you would have brought in somewhere in there, but you know, his 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 wrestling defense is actually good. You saw that with Khabib, yeah. but it would have been the conditioning that I would have looked at, and it would have been the concern if I was in Connor's camp because you push a pace that he needs to control the pace for him to be able to go with that. So three round fight, I probably would have taken Connor. Five round fight, might have taken Josh. So that's at the top of their games. Tony Ferguson, I already kind of talked about. Uh, Michael Chandler, that would have been a hard fight for you. Again, wrestler, a guy that's got very good wrestling. Uh, he's got power. You, I think that was a fight that almost happened before. So we almost saw what that was. Charles Oliveira actually was a, is a good fight for you. Yeah. Uh, Stand-up-wise, uh, Charles would have had a hard time taking you down. You could have gotten Charles down, and you would have had to – be careful of his submission ability 
but that would have been a good matchup. Justin Gaethje, I actually think, even though he's a wrestler, uh, I think that actually would have been a good matchup for for Josh. You know, that as far as the power w- would have been there, he he did he needed to be careful of the power. He didn't want to get into exchanges because Justin has a power advantage over him. But uh, as far as ground game, Josh definitely has an advantage over Justin in that. And then Dustin Poirier, left hander again, southpaw. That's a tough matchup. That's that's a tough that's a tough one for you. And the f- fact that Dustin's good everywhere. His wrestling is good. His ground game is good. His stand up is good. That would have been a tough fight. There yeah, you go. I pretty much agree with what you're saying. I was gonna let yeah let John take it away from there because it was with Paul Felder. I could have exploited the wrestling and the and the grappling. Dariush, I could I could have taken him down. I could have stayed on the feet, but I defensively uh, or not defensively, but on the feet, I'm a little bit cleaner and crisper. He's kind of punches come from different angles, and he's kind of wild a little bit. He's a little awkward. Good, you know. Um, but I think technically, I'm a little bit more. T- I would have been more technically sound. And now I'm talking about in my prime, you guys. I'm not talking about yeah. 37, 38, and I'm also not. Ta- I mean, I'm talking about the 30 year old. Yeah, you know, that that 28 to 29 to 30 years old right there when I was a little bit more mature and understood what was on the line. A little faster. Um, Dan Hooker, I think I would have beat. Um, I wouldn't have stand in front of I would have stood in front of him and just exchanged punches. I would have mixed it up. When I fought guys like that, like I said, Dwayne Ludwig, when I fought him, it's like you think you can stand with them. But why? What's the point? And so you have to learn to, to elevate your fight IQ. Right outside, I went, I fought Dwayne Ludwig, took him down. Dominated the first round, got to the second round, thought I could stand. Glimpsed, glimpsed my head with a head kick, and I was like, all right, done with this. Take him down. You know, spent the rest of the – and then finished him in the second. You know, the, those three guys, don't get me wrong, they're all tough, uh, but I think I would have beaten them. RDA, um, he poses a little bit of threat because he is pretty good off of his back. The, and I'm talking about in the in prime RDA as well, like the one that fought, fought uh, and won, won the title as well, the one that beat Benson Henderson. That's I was supposed to fight him. We were actually supposed to fight before I got the uh, the title shot against Pettis or was supposed to get the title shot. It, we were already scheduled to fight and uh, they pulled me from that and gave me the title shot. Um, but him, he posed some threats. What what would have probably been the hardest part about with him is that his leg kicks, you know, because I will sometimes walk you down. And if he and he threw pretty good leg kicks backing up. And but that would have also led me into getting him the takedown. I think I was a better grappler than him, and I was definitely a better wrestler than him. So I think I think me beating him would have been it would have been a tough fight, but I think I would have beat him. Uh Connor, I agree with you. Left handers, I feel the same way about what the Islam thing. Not to mention Islam's a better wrestler than me. But I feel the same way. Like the car or not Connor, but the Chandler thing. Sorry. Or Connor, I mean, they're southpaws. Yep. And I had problems with southpaws. It just it was a is it was just weird. I didn't spar with enough of them and you know, and I will go back to the Eze Edward fight too. I put so much pressure to get the takedown because there were Southpaw. But in my prime, I dealt with them a little bit better than I did when I fought Ease when I was 22 years old. You know what I mean? It was like I dealt with them better later on, but it still was it was a big pain in the ass. It's like you just didn't want to fight him because I shot. I, I had to learn how to reshoot off of just snatching that single. And it just was it was, was it was a weird thing versus me just penetrating for the double leg or hitting the single right to the double. It just it changed the dynamic of how I did things and which leg I stepped with. So Connor would have been a, a hard fight for me, I think, because he fought long and lanky. He was very precise with his shots. And if I didn't get a couple of takedowns, probably would have been in the show. I would probably would have put pressure on myself like I talked about and not get and not get in the win. But that being said, in a five round fight, 
I would have probably fought him a little bit differently. Stuck and move, stuck and move. It depends on how much I knew about him. Did I already see the Nate Diaz fight where he gasses a little bit towards the end? So then I would have just kept making him fight and making him fight for two to three rounds and then try to get more takedowns. So it really depends on fight IQ in that fight. But I would give the edge probably to him, to be honest, in a three, for sure in a three, but in a five, it'd be close. But I'd probably still maybe give him the edge. Tony. Tony is just one of those guys, man. Like, there's not not a damn thing I can do to train for a guy who, when you hit him with a double leg, he just does a forward roll out of it. Like, it's <laughs> hard to deal with guys like that. And my mindset was like, I'm in there to fight. And when guys are doing that, it's almost like, okay, we're playing, but we're not playing because he's fucking you up. So it's, I, I don't know. I honestly couldn't tell you how that fight would have all planned out, you know, in my prime. I couldn't tell you because he just does, he does things that are just way different. Chandler would have given me fits. I probably would have lost to him. You know, and that pains me to say it. But the one thing you got to say is that he's a good he's a good fighter. Uh, he's got big power. He's shorter and stockier. That's why he's hard to take down. Not to mention he's a top level wrestler. He's a hard fight. He's a hard fight for almost anybody. Uh, he's he's got he's strong, physically strong, and he will not be. He denies the fact that he can be submitted, you know, and so my submission game, even if I was on top of him, would have been hard to finish. Um, you know, even if I was on bottom and I had an arm bar or triangle, or whatever, it'd been hard to finish. So on the feet, the key would have been kick the legs, but at the time the calf kick wasn't around. So am I doing it now? Am I saying myself in my prime? I already know that he's susceptible to calf kicks. So there's a lot there, but I'd give the edge to Chandler, uh, Charles Oliveira, Justin Gaethje and Dustin Poirier, Charles Oliveira and Justin Gaethje. I think I wouldn't say tailor made, but I fit them in the same category as Paul Felder, Dan Hooker, and Dariush, those two. Dustin Poirier is just, a, he's a level above them. And so when I'm having this, he knows how to mix it up. He's an MMA fighter. He's got nasty submissions. He's a good wrestler. He's a good anti-wrestler. He's got a southpaw also, which there you go. And being at the level he is right now, I don't know if I, I trained with him a long time ago and he was very young and he was big for the weight, but he was a 45 pounder back then, but he was good back then. And that was like right after I think I had lost to um, Benson. I think I had trained with him and he was good back then. And so, um, yeah, I think I, I think now, I mean, if I was in my prime and I'm fighting the one that's in his prime right now, I probably I probably would have lost to him or it'd be a very, very close fight. I, it really came really would come down to, to fight IQ. There you go. Second part. Yup, yup. It's for John and um, yep, yep, wants to know, <laughs> have there ever been moments in fights where you believe it will ride out to decisions so you're not as on your toes or uh, or are you always ready to step in and stop the fight? No, one of, one of the things you learn as a referee is don't, don't ever think you know what's going to happen. If you think you know what's going to happen, you're going to make a mistake because you're going to be expecting things to go the way you're thinking and they can take a 180 very quickly. So now you never, you just, you go in, you do your job, and you're always just, you know, you're, you're, you are a, re as I say, a reactionary tool to the actions of the fighters. And if you think that you're going to be the forecaster and know exactly what's going to happen, it's going to lead you into a mistake. You don't do that. Nice and simple. Uh, Vishal Dariana, Dariani wants to know uh, top five fighters outside of the UFC right now. Can't wait to hit 100K. Okay, you say one, I'll say another. How's that? I say Patricio Pitbull. I knew you would say that. Yep. I knew that. You are so predictable. Oh, yeah. Demetrius Johnson. I think we've been here before. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. AJ McKee. 
God damn it. You can't take everyone from Bellator. What is wrong with you? Oh, man. Yusuf Ryzov. Yusuf Ryzov. Ooh. Yes. With the switch there. The guy from, uh, from one, from one FC, uh, Ong Song Yilong. Or Ong Song Long. Song Long. Yeah. He's good. Guy, yeah. He's really good. I like him. He fights out of Sanford MMA. Yes. He's good. Ong Ong. Long La Song, I'm gonna say. Ong La Song, I think. Sorry, I'm butchering your name, buddy, but we know you're yeah, good. Yeah, we know you're a good fighter, though. Uh, Douglas Lima. What is with you? I to say it before you go. It was my turn. <laughs> I had to do it. All right. Five, time to wrap it up, guys. No, I'm <laughs> pulling that back. Douglas Lima. Douglas Lima. <laughs> another one. Uh, give another one. Let's see. I'm gonna go with. Um, Who's out of the PFL? I've got. PFL, Lance Palmer. Hands down, Lance Palmer. Boom. Like that. There's another one. There's five right there. That's, That's more than five. One more. That's six. Okay, you go one more. I'll go one more. Seven, actually. Six, seven. Okay. We're seven. We're going to ten. I said AJ. I said AJ. I said uh, Patricio. Patricio. Magomed Magomedov. There you go. Yeah. That's my last one. Magomed Magomedov. <laughs> Yep, yep. I mean, there's other ones that for sure, but I think if we were to plug and play them in any organization or if we would have the Olympics of MMA, those guys would probably finish in the top one or two. They'd be champion or they'd be the guy fighting in the finals. You know, I think if we were to plug and play them all. So next question. <clears throat> uh, next question comes from Zach Bolden, who wants to know, would you guys consider having Chandler on the show to squash the quote unquote beef with Josh? Uh, I feel that'd be a fun interview. Um. Look, I... I have, I do have a, I do have personal issues with him and he has personal issues with me. And let's talk about those personal issues. Let's, let's have a sit down. Let's keep let's psychologically him. break this down. Let's keep them to ourselves. <laughs> but, uh, that's just the way we've, that's the way we, but look, this is a business. We're trying to run a business here. We are trying to put on one of the best podcasts in the world. We, we feel like we are that show right now when it comes to MMA. Would I have him on? Absolutely. I would have him on. Look, Damn straight. I, don't, I don't let my feelings and my professionalism get <laughs> want to be a top analyst you can't talk badly about the fighters that you're talking uh, you're calling their fights you need to be a professional and i'll give you guys an example look i'm not a big fan i i, I don't mind and I, i'm not a big fan of conor mcgregor we had him on the show and i can tell you right now it kind of has jeopardized my friendship with khabib and islam and and all the other guys it, it's put me in a weird spot but look there's nothing that i'm gonna say to conor it's not going to make Connor say what he's going to say. And there's nothing that I can say to him. Be like, Hey, Khabib's already beat you. So what, what do I, what do I need to say? Do I, do I need to call him out on his bullshit or do I need, No, because I'm trying to build a business here. And not to mention, like, not only am I trying to build a business here, I've got two other people that are, are working with me on this and working hard on me, working hard with this on to build this thing. And so I need to make sure that everybody in this room is, is doing the best we can to bring you the best, podcast that there is when it comes to MMA. And that's how I handle business. That's how I am with everything. I need to make sure that, look, when Khabib's younger cousin, Umar and Usman, they become stars, that I have a platform big enough to make them even bigger. And not just him, but anybody else that comes along. So every time a manager wants to make sure that their fighter gets the best representation on any type of podcast, that they're calling John and I and going, hey, I want to get my fighter on your guys' show. And so that's when I look at what it meant like sure we got john had connor on and um we were able to get that worked out i looked at it as like look this is an opportunity to build a platform 
so we can have more fighters and top level fighters on. And that's really what it came down to. And I, from what I understand, it kind of affected the friendship and the relationship that I have with Khabib and Islam and, and some of the other Russians. And even with, I think a little bit with Ali, but look, the bottom line is I'm trying to build a platform for, for the best fighters in the world to talk on and his, and his cousins and his family. And like that, I hope that they all come back and they, I hope they all want to come on the show. Um, I'm just here to do the best I can. And so what I have Chandler on, absolutely. I don't get along with him, but look, this is not, that's not what it's about. It's about making sure that these guys have a platform to share their knowledge. I may not like him, but he's a smart fighter. He's a, he's a good, he's a really good fighter. A great you know? fighter. Yeah. And I didn't want to say that, but yeah, I know you didn't. That's why I did it for you. He's a, he is a great fighter, you know, and he and I wished him the most success. I want him to have success over in the UFC because I know whether people want to believe it or not. I know that not all the best fighters in the UFC and I wanted him to be one of the guys to go out there and prove it because there's not a lot of guys that are going to leave from Bellator because they're getting paid really well and they're not going to go there and try and take a chance. And like a lot of guys are not going to leave the UFC because it's the UFC. So you're never going to really know. I felt like strike force was that but people forgot about that already. And they want to go back. Chandler has an opportunity to become champion. If he does, it just lets it, it should let everybody in the world know that not all the best fighters in the UFC and start watching all, we'll start watching the sport of MMA and not just the UFC. What, what it should show is if you looked at rankings uh, before he came to the UFC, Michael Chandler would have been somewhere in the twenties. All of a sudden within a half year's time, he could be number one. What does that say about the rankings? They're, They're bullshit. They're just absolute bullshit. They do not rank fighters being on their actual ability. They rank them based upon where they're fighting. And so that's, that's a problem. That's a shame. And it should, it should change. But Michael Chandler, I would definitely have on. I like Michael as a person. I like Michael as a fighter. I do. I want to say this. Michael Chandler did a beautiful interview where he talked about Khabib because he was the, uh, the alternate fighter for the Khabib versus Justin Gaethje fight that was at Fight Island. He lost the weight that he had to lose. He weighed in for the fight and never, you know, got to go in and compete, but he wanted to compete, especially against Khabib because he wanted, you know, if he could have, if he could have tripped Justin, he would have done it. So, <laughs> but he, he talked about that whole fight and he talked about what it was like to sit there and watch that fight, watch Khabib basically dismantle Justin and watch him, get the tap out, well, excuse me, get the, the tap, but then choke him completely unconscious, get up out of it, go to the center of the ring, and he talked about what it was like as far as the atmosphere and everything, and he talked about the legacy that was now being cemented by Khabib Nurmagomedov and how, and how special that moment was. You know, Michael is good for the sport. Michael will be a good fighter no matter if he wins his next fight against Charles Oliveira or if he loses it. He's a good fighter. You know, if he wins it, he's saying a lot about what people know about the true aspect of MMA outside of the UFC. And there's a, there's a lot of people that are, you know, they're just UFC fans and that's okay. I have no problem with that, but don't think because someone's not fighting the UFC that they're not good. They are. The last thing I'm going to say is I do like Connor. I love what Connor McGregor has done for the sport of MMA because every MMA fighter is making more based upon what Connor McGregor's done. Way to go, Connor. You done good. Well, yeah, I get let me touch on that. Okay. I don't like I I agree with you in terms of the Connor situation. My words are that like because he fought Khabib, I I'm not a fan. Like yeah, okay. That's that's uh, totally understandable. 
and and what he did for the sport i agree he did uh, i'm not into the into the trash talking i never did my whole career and i never did that and i respected the fact that when people did it sure whatever it was never me and um, but there's nothing that like like when we had him on and he was like he was saying stuff about khabib there's nothing that i'm going to say to make him change his mind on how he feels about khabib you know he's just, try he's just trying to draw that fight back yeah i, I understand and i understood that and the other thing as well is like with Khabib, he's already beat you and there's no reason. And, and I know Khabib in terms of he's already beat him. There's no interest in fighting him again. He's talked about, I don't want to come back to fight Dustin. I don't want to come back to fight Connor. I want to come back and fight someone entertained. That's why I thought the GSP tape fight was still potentially on the table is because that's what interests him. But those things don't, I'm not going to change how Connor talks, whether I have him on my show or not. And so it, it is a like for me with with the with the boys and with uh, with all the Russians, it's upsetting to hear that, you know, potentially I'm like out of favor with them. But look, like I said, when this show gets so damn big, I want to be able to build their younger stars and their younger cousins and their younger brothers to have them on to make them stars. And that's really yep. what not just them, but everyone, all the yep. ones, you know, and that's kind of how I feel. Yep. Next question. Uh, next question comes from Jay Storm, and he asks, uh, Josh and John, if the UFC were to do a Grand Prix, what weight class would you want to see? Uh, I hope for a mini Grand Prix at lightweight with Hooker, Chandler, Poirier, McGregor, but that didn't happen. No. You're going to look at one division in the UFC that they would absolutely have a stacked Grand Prix. It would be Bantamweight. Yep. Bantamweight, they are freaking just on fire through basically 16 they could do a four round 16 fighter grand prix in the bantamweights and it would be just lights out yep. you take a look at who's in that you know peter yan i guess is number one uh one now since aljamain is their champion you, you'd, you'd have to put aljamain in it i don't like when the champion sits out to the side so aljamain's in it you got yan you got Corey sanhagen i mean rob font court Cody Garbrandt, I mean, just everybody in that. Jose Aldo, you got you've got legend names. You got guys from other organizations that were champions. You have T.J. Dillashaw coming back. You have so many. There's not one that you can look at that's on that top, you know, 16 that you go, uh, he doesn't have a chance. They all have a chance in that. I think that would be the weight class for the UFC to do a tournament. I feel the same way about Bellator. The 135 pound weight class is stacked. And these guys are stacked here as well. Yep. I mean, I would love to see the 135 pound weight class in Bell or not Bellator, but the UFC go at it. If they were to do, like you said, a 16 man bracket, I would feel bad because with Aljo in the tournament, Chito Vera gets pushed out. If you go by the rankings, <laughs> that sucks. You know, you're adding that one person in. So, uh, yeah, it'd be a good fight though. I think it'd be a good, uh, good brackets for them. It would be incredible. I, I just look at all the names that are in that man. They, they've got some studs at one thirty-five. So that would be the weight class that I'd like. To see. Oh, I take that back. You could leave Aljo in there and be sixteen men. Sorry, I don't know what math. See, math's on my strong suit. Told you. Well, I tell you, <laughs> fifteen one champ. Uh, you know, fifteen. Ah, uh, well, sixteen. Is, yeah, you never mind. <laughs> Go next one. Uh, whiskey hands, Mike asks. Josh and Big John, this is the biggest question. If you, if this is the biggest question, if you guys were stranded and needed a ride but only had a bike to get back, <laughs> who rides chill? <laughs> who rides chill? There's a picture. 
yelling, it's huh? not e- it's not even called writing bitch now it's called writing chael <laughs> right. yeah. we've made that famous <laughs> <laughs> poor chael man i love chael uh, oh geez yeah there's a picture of him riding on the back of a motorcycle with hans mullenkamp driving it um honestly i mean like john's what you said you've been riding motorcycles since you were a kid my whole life yeah yeah. i actually would just buy my own bike (laughs) (laughs) but look let's be if it's got a motor i am the guy that's gonna be driving it if it's got pedals i'll let josh pedal me all over the goddamn place (laughs) he's the easy you're the guy that's the biker the mountain biker that pedals all over man so you're in good shape you can do it this is true. But if you guys actually go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Wayne in, you guys will see that it is John riding Chael in that picture. No, oh, I am not riding Chael in that picture. Right. You are lying to our viewers now. Right. You are lying to our viewers because I am the guy that's in control of that motorcycle. Right. You happen to be sitting on the gas tank. <laughs> that's not true. that's not true john is riding chill uh, not at all you see that you see that back seat there there's a back seat it's unoccupied you are riding on the vibrating <laughs> gas tank man <laughs> have that edited out <laughs> uh it would be john riding chill okay <laughs> on a pedal bike <laughs> pedal bike i'm riding chill all right well i think that's it right uh, we we got one more. We Let's one go. More. Yeah, Let's one go. One more. The last one comes from uh, JD Russell, and he asks, if the UFC opened up a 165 division, which matchups would you like to see between current lightweights and welterweights, and who would you like to see fight for the belt? Um, Current lightweights for a 165. And, I mean, obviously, I'm going to look through the tweeners. And so I look at all the tweeners. I look at Kiesa, uh, Masvidal. Uh, I bet Steven Thompson could probably make the weight. Um, I got my matchup. Also the guy. I got my matchup. Give it to me. 165. I want to see a championship fight between Islam Makachev and Gilbert Burns. Ooh. Oh, baby. See? Come on. That's a good fight. Yeah, that's good. That would be a hell of a fight. And whoever wins it is going to be a hell of a champion. Wow, I would really like to know if Gilbert could sub him because he's damn good. Islam's really damn good on the ground. What? Really good. Uh, but then you see who are the tweeners though on in the lightweight division. There's not many of them. You have RDA, he could do it. Connor would RDA be a good one because he fought at 170 also, 155 and 170. Yep. Perfect tweener. I wonder if Dan Hooker would go up because he cuts a shitload of weight. Dan Hooker should go up. That's a great weight class for him. You know um i think the rest of my islam would go he he'd probably go up kevin lee he'd probably go up he's yep. that here as well yeah i mean there's there's matchups to be made there i mean you are I, there'll be some more people that will slide into some of those spots but i think if you bump 70 to 75 and you move you're gonna have a lot more guys dropping now i don't know um jeff neal is he he's not big he might be able to make 65 he might be able to make it yeah uh yeah i mean I, I agree with you. The title shot, though, I think I'd love to see Islam and uh, yeah, Islam and Gilbert Burns. Style-wise, that would be a fun fight. Yeah, they're both good everywhere. And who else? Let me see. There's another one. I like. I don't. I don't know if I don't know if Leon Edwards can. He's so damn lean as it is. I don't know if he can make. Yeah, I don't know if he makes 165. So, but I know Kiesa can make 165. I would believe at this point that five pounds. Oh yeah, I think he can make it. He would be interesting to go down there. 
And I, you know, I could, I could even see Paul Felder going up, but I know Paul after since he's been doing all the triathlon stuff, he's kind of gotten himself where weight is definitely not an issue for him. Got it. All right, guys. Well, hey, hopefully you guys enjoyed this show. Do us a huge favor. Okay. Hit the thumbs up. Now this show is dropping at a different time. <clears throat> okay. Um, <laughs> this show is dropping at a different time. So that though should tell you guys to hit that little bell off to the bottom right corner. That'll let you know when our shows drop. Cause sometimes there's some complications that happen and we got to drop it at a little bit of different time. So if you want to be notified, hit that little bell off to the right. Okay. And that'll tell you when our shows drop, hit the thumbs up and also write in the comment section, please write some, some positive stuff. You guys have been killing the comment section with positive stuff, except for two weeks ago. We had, we had some problems with the sound. We don't know why and what happened, but uh, we got it all sorted out and we're extremely happy. And uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed this show. We filmed it twice for you to make sure it was double good. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> something like that uh, last thing i want to say is josh showed you the shirt on pro go to that and you can get a discount by putting in 100k that will give you a discount on the shirt and you can then show that i am the guy in control of that motorcycle while josh is riding on the gas tank you could say john's riding shotgun <laughs> Ooh, <he has> shotgun. <laughs> I to admire my shirt the new chief's fit out there in kansas city uh yeah that's what it says see right there it says founding member see i want them there i i just oh sorry pull it higher there you go there you, there go. you go on the microphone <laughs> love it love it anyways uh, horrible <laughs> you know it just horrible <laughs> all right everyone we will talk to you and see ya